Here's my threat. Let's see. I can do. I can do. I can do. I can do bagpipes, right? I can do. Uh, let's see what else I can do. I used to. I used to be able to do this. I, mean, I can't do that anymore. Um. Oh, I can do. Hello. Hello, Merlin man. Uh, good morning, Dan. How are you? I feel okay. I feel all right. Did you get your food? Yeah, it's all squared away. What you eating? Steak? Have some steak. No, probably mm-hmm. be it. Probably be uh something else. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. Got some but water. You, hmm. you got an order in. I put in my order. <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> the, what. The Joel? Does Joel get that for you? <laughs> no. No. If you just off the top of your head, if you don't don't overthink it. If you ask ask Joel to bring you lunch, what would he bring you? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Hot dogs. I've been, <laughs> he's a hot dog man. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. How you doing, yeah. buddy? I'm great, buddy. You're back How home, you? man. Back home. Oh, don't talk about that. Okay. We can talk about that. You want to talk about that? No, I don't. I had a really good time. It's your show. I'm going to talk about whatever you want to talk about, just like always. Mm, hey, I think New Dan's back. Hey. Hey. Hey, buddy. No, you did. Can no. we talk? I think it would be really cool to talk about it. Can we talk about it or no? Absolutely, yeah. Go ahead. It's mm. your show. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you go somewhere? Mm-hmm. I did. I uh, I uh, went to uh, Hotlanta. Fatlanta. Fatlanta. <laughs> Scrapolanta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to Atlanta to visit with our friends at Mailchimp. Oh. Easy was... email newsletter. <laughs> I had to tell you. <laughs> um, this is not a spot. Uh, no, but I went to uh, went to went out to Melchim, did a talk, really rambling talk that was kind of embarrassing. But uh, the rest of the trip was great. I um, man, it was. I, I told you this on the uh, on our private internet, but uh, man, what a company! I mean, it's I, I described them. I got to meet their uh, their founder guy, who's who's hilarious Ben and I was saying um, I was like you probably heard our show maybe once or twice you sponsored a lot but I was like you guys are the opposite of our show it's like everything we talk about on our show and whine about this place is like the opposite it's it actually it would be an interesting topic I mean there's obviously something like a, a conflict of interest here but they they do a lot of stuff internally really really well and I, I do lots. I have lots of things. Which I, I, I was like, can I tell you some of the things that I do to find out secret information? Oh, you mean like when you're at a at a company? This is yes. This is this is Arcana that I don't usually share with people. Oh yeah, because I I don't want them to know that this works. Um, if they have a foosball table, <laughs> run your finger around the edges and see if there's any dust. Ooh, this will tell you whether people are playing foosball. And they had a little bit of dust on the foosball table. So I think people are working pretty hard. Mm. That, 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 that's a cheaty one. Uh, if there is, uh, if there's, if there's a refrigerator, no, they didn't have this that I saw, but if they've got one of those coolers with, with beer in it, like prominently displayed, like, hey, hey, we're a crazy place. People can just drink beer and stuff. Go and see if it looks like it's really, really super well organized and they're all really, really cold. <laughs> people are probably not drinking the beers. Mm. They're, they're there for show. It's like having a grand piano. <laughs> Critical Path, place we used to work with back in the day. They had a they had a grand piano in the lobby. Yeah, I think the closing price was pretty low. Um, can you play a piano? I can play. Imagine that you're. Imagine that you're pretending that you're Wolverine. Done. Okay, you ready? Already doing it. 
snicked. <laughs> okay. What are you doing right now? I just extended my claws. Okay. Is it your three middle fingers? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can play major uh, and minor and suspended chords with my Wolverine fingers <laughs> on my right hand. <laughs> okay. So I got to move. I got to move down to the left. <laughs> I, can, I can also do so. I can do that if I think real hard, and then I can kind of do this polka thing at, at octaves. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. I'm going tonk, 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 and I'm hitting a C chord because C chords are super easy when mm-hmm. you got wolf fingers. <laughs> and then on my left hand, I can go tink, tonk, tink, tonk, tink, tonk. So if, if you want to hear me play like beer barrel polka as though I were Logan, I can do that. I don't think they have polkas in Canada. Okay. He smokes a lot. Oh, God, you know what I read my daughter last night? Hmm. My wife gave me the stink eye. Oh, my God. Last night we had, uh, you know, family reading time. And uh, I, <laughs> I, I, got, I, got, I got my daughter into this idea. And my wife reluctantly showed up as we'd already begun. But I was like, I am going, don't tell mom, but we are going to read my second favorite arc in the X-Men. And it starts with a comic called There's Something Awful on Muir Island. Which is probably pretty bad to read to a four-year-old. Do you remember it? <laughs> no, I don't. Remember the Proteus arc? Oh, Mut- yeah. More, well, no, spoiler alert. Um, no spoilers. Um, Mutant X escapes. And it's pretty grisly. Proteus is a pretty bad dude. Yeah, he kills a lot of people and makes them look like gray zombies. Anyway, it's really, really good. And so we read that, and by the end of it... Um, I finished this and I said, and tomorrow we'll come back with How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, which is the next one. And uh, and Madeline said, well, why don't we pick out another book for bedtime? (laughs) Oh, it's a a bedtime one. Oh, that was bedtime. So let's read Little Lost Owl, (laughs) Um, which is a terrific book. But um, so this trip was fantastic. And I mean, I... Like I say, conflict of interest, but maybe in After Dark, let's talk about it because I don't want to sound like I'm shilling them. But wow. what an amazing company. And all, you know, it's funny, you know, you, there was that wonderful article that came out in the last week or so, not wonderful, terrifying article that came out about Netflix. It was called Netflix's Lost Year. And it was just all the ways that they have eaten the booger in the last year. And what a nut job that boss of theirs is. And, uh, it was funny because it wasn't so long ago we were talking about the famous like Netflix mission statement deck. Yeah. Like if, if you want to come to work dressed as a moose, you get a raise or whatever. Like there's all kinds of like craziness that's like institutionalized there. And I was always like, man, I wonder if that's true. But, you know, c- culture flows downhill. You know, it's like outhouses. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that guy's, that guy's a nut job. And it's a shame. And, but then when I go to MailChimp, I, 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 uh, I fingered the foosball. Um, I, I tried to find the beer. But you're ready for test three? You know test three. Test three, are there any passive-aggressive notes anywhere? <laughs> I searched the entire... And they have several buildings. They are growing fast. They, they're they're going to put desks on wheels. That place moves so fast. And um, I could not find any passive-aggressive signs. And so I congratulated them on that. But what a great company. But anyway, I'll, let's talk about this off you know, in the AD too. But Mark... Uh, Whoa, Mark took me out to dinner and it's one of the best dinners I ever had in my life. I tried to figure out because we also had some beverages. I think Mark sent you a photo of our, of our food. He sent me Just, a picture, not, yeah, he, I, let me look here and see if he sent one of the food. Yeah, I know he, he sent a, one of you. Yeah, holding a wine glass and real Holding a glass. Way. Yeah. Let me see what I've gotten here. I, I, the next morning, um, as I drank lots of water, 
I was uh, trying to remember. I think I had eight different animals prepared different ways. I'm not, I am so not even kidding you. <laughs> and Mark, Mark did the whole set. I said, Mark, here's the thing. You're, you're, the, you're the man horse. You pick out all of the things that we're going to eat tonight. You come here a lot. Everybody there knows them. And uh, it's called, uh, if you're in Atlanta and you want a good meal, you probably already know this, but uh, Empire State South, it was really, really good. It was a little fussy, a little bit to uh, explain your food guy. Well, these oysters are from uh, <laughs> This one's a little salty and this one has a creamier aspect. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then Mark and I stare at each other and said, these look exactly the same. But um, man, had some pork belly, fancy pork belly, had something called a farm egg, which I'm pretty sure is on Urban Dictionary. And uh, you ever give somebody a farm egg? I've never had a farm egg. Save it for the AD. Okay. And then, so we had, I think we, I thought that we were playing Let's Have Appetizers for dinner, but then I, I went to Bless the Tinky and I came back and, and there was a, a ribeye for two on the table. Wow. This guy's the real deal. And, and I, I ordered Fernet because my joke is I always order Fernet for, uh, for people, for, for Fernet Branca for, for after dinner. And you should have seen it, he drank it like a man. You ever have Fernet Branca? I don't even know what it is. Imagine if, um, imagine if a big bottle of cough syrup had bronchitis and had to take some cough syrup and that's what it tastes like. Like okay. with licorice, anise, it's really, really disgusting. I like it a lot. He didn't even make a face. Do you know how handsome he is? No, I do actually. He's extremely handsome. There's I a know photo. He is. There's a photo. You know, I didn't put this on the internet. But there's a. Did I? Yeah, I did. I put, on, I put it on the internet on the Twitter. A picture of uh, me and that uh, Ben guy. What a good man. Uh, anyway, great company. Long story short, it was a great visit. It was warm. Um, oh, Dan, can I tell you one story? Mm-hmm. Listen, first of all, we have so much to cover. Do you have time? No, I mean, for, for the whole episode. Do you have some time today? I have time to do a full episode. Well, it's going to be a full episode, buddy. <laughs> I, had, I had a full episode before Marco started talking about grilling. grilling. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. I thought Marco had a fan. You know what? He has a Weber. It's a standard Weber. It's a nice... I mean, that, those are nice as far as grills go, uh, but it's not like he's got like the full... You know, like well, the entire backyard well is a, just a grill, like the half. He might here. as well have like a paper plate and a, and, and a, and a box of matches. My God, Marco, <laughs> get ready to go to school, money boy. Oof. You're going to steak school today, Johnny. Nice. Jeez, oh, I got Did I get it right with the, with the checking for doneness with the finger? Is that the right? I was going to do the elbow trick, but we should talk about both. Wow. I got, were you uh, were you just like pile drive your elbow right into? The... I was I was just saying I was literally screaming at the computer. I have uh, <laughs> I have uh, 22 lines on steak. Okay. All right. Um, oh, yeah, the way I see. Oh, oh, so here's the weird thing. I check in at the hotel. Nice hotel, right? It's a Marriott. You know, I like to roll a Marriott. I check in, and the guy behind the desk is, uh, you know, he's very cool. He's got a very trimmed beard. He's like, oh, you're in one of our hyper, super allergenic rooms. And I was like, awesome. He's like, well, uh, everything has been treated. All surfaces have been specially treated. I'm like, oh, specially treated? Tell me more. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, particles of dust removed, and there's a there's a there's like an air cleaner in the room, and everything's the sheet is like just it's like one contiguous thread. It's gorgeous. It's it's a, everything's fantastic in this room. And you go in, it's like and there's a, there's a little machine cleaning the air. I was like, this is pretty aces, you know. And then I uh, I thought I'd well, watch a little TV, and I could see that the it wasn't turning on. So I went in the back. So, so you get this, right? This room is like, oh, I forgot. And so the guy at the desk goes, oh, many people tell us it's the best night's sleep they've ever had. And I said, awesome. I love to sleep. He said, well, let me know. I said, okay, I'll stop by tomorrow and let you know how my hypoallergenic sleep went. And so, you know me in hotels, right? 
You know not to get me started, right? I do. So, it's, so, it's a touchy I'm, subject. Well, yeah, at least there wasn't any dogs in there. But I, uh, but I go, and it, and it turns out <laughs> the little plug was not in the back of the TV. No big deal. They'd clean probably, theoretically. And as I'm plugging the thing in the back, my eye is drawn to the back of the TV. And then my eye is drawn to the area behind the TV, behind the thing the TV is on. Mm-hmm. And every square inch of everything from the TV to the wall is covered with dust. <sighs> they had not dusted anything. I, I, I stuck my finger down there. I got like, like an eighth of an inch of dust. Dust not in food. homes, offices, and other human environments contains small amounts of plant, pollen, human, and animal hairs, textile skin, fibers, paper fibers, hair. minerals from outdoor soil, human skin cells. A lot of, a lot of skin cells, Dan. Mm-hmm. Burnt meteorite particles and many other materials. I didn't know about the meteorite particles. Then I flipped the TV on and uh, X-Men was on, X2 was on. That's gross, though. Not X2. That's not gross at all. No, but the back, the back area. And those uniforms are just irresponsible. Man in a room. Man in a hypoallergenic room watching X2. That's not right. I mean, she saves, she saves. It's, it's highly non-canonical, but you still. <sighs> um, so it was a really great trip. And we'll talk more about that if you like later. But we, yeah. got, some, we got some serious stuff. First off, I have one tiny bit of FU. I don't think we talked about this last time, but I want to make sure to mention it. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, listen to the episode of uh, The Incomparable. Uh, episode 98, Obscure References and Sadness. It is an entire episode about Jonathan Colton, and it's really good. It's really, really good. It features was it, Lex Friedman. Is that his name? Lex? And you got, uh, you got uh, John Syracuse on there, and you got Greg Noss, and you got Scott McNulty, and they, uh, it's a really... If you're not listening to The Incomparable and you're missing out, um, you either... Uh, when it comes, for me, like I love the show as a thing, but episode by episode, some episodes, I have no idea what they're talking about. They do like a round-robin uh, rotisserie football thing on vampire sex shows. I have no idea what they're talking about. They, it's really super weird sometimes, but they'll do a show on Pixar, they'll do a show on Star Wars, and it's like I, I'm with my own. This whole episode on Jonathan Colton is great. I won't spoil the surprise for you, but you definitely need to hear it. It's in show notes. Um, and it's a 5x5 it's a five five program, which is really good. Do your Jason Snell impersonation. Don't you have a Jason Snell impersonation? <laughs> I, I forgot it. I forgot how to do it. Okay, if you remember it later. And now, is that it? <laughs> and now, th- let's discuss Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. You usually, you usually do Jason as articulating things very clearly. Very and clear. His, he's very clear. Now I'm going to Jerry Lewis again. Each word is carefully pronounced. And now, I will say another word. Hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Did Joel come up with your food? No. Okay. He's um, not here. I like that Jason Snell. He's a smart guy. I work at a company known as Macworld. I think I think Snell's a powder powder cake. I think one day he's just gonna. Oh blow. yeah. No, he's ready. He's to gonna snow. You see, sometimes you see those seams, like 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 the <laughs> dam that Brian Cox is chained to. Right. You see, you see, there are gonna be fissures, right? And then pretty soon you're gonna need Gene Gray out there in that outfit. <sighs> Boy, Atlanta. Fishers, um, Fishers, the Fisher Fishers. Kings. The fi- <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, the incomparable. It's on Jonathan Colton. Um, can we talk about grilling and, and steak and meat just a little? You bit? You don't want to? Okay, sure. No, no. Go ahead. What you want to talk about? No, go ahead. It's your show. Whatever. No, I'm sorry. Did I skip over something? We'll talk more about. I don't Atlanta. know. You said you had a lot to cover. I do. I have two topics. One, I had one topic and now I have another topic. On, I just want to get grilling. I don't want to get grilling out of the way because this is a very important issue. And there was so much 
misinformation and pseudo information. You know what? You mostly told the truth, but here's the thing. I, I am very into steak and grilling. And mm-hmm. so I have some things that I would like to share with our listeners because this is, this show has to have a functional component to it. Do All you right. So let's, no, let's do it. How about this? I'll, I'll yeah. throw down the gauntlet. I'll, I'll give you a little challenge. If yeah. you can use the grilling of steak as a metaphor for some other beneficial thing that other people can, you know, take away and apply to their career and their work life, yeah. uh, then, then I will allow it. Should I start with that? A lot of a lot of cooking in general is counterintuitive. A lot of a lot of what you think you know about it, you're doing wrong. And because you think you're really good at it, not you, but one, because we think we're really good at it, especially if we're men, uh, we never get better at it because we keep making the same stupid mistake over and over again. And we never learn that there are some basic heuristics that can be extremely useful. There's always more to learn. And also you should, I guess, get a notebook. How's that? Pretty good. Fair. <laughs> I can do more. No, let's stop. Let's go from there. Okay, first of all, now I got this. This is kind of in order, but not really. Uh, if you're grilling, no brainer. You should be doing a ribeye. That's a ribeye. A ribeye. There are many things that are great for grilling. You are absolutely correct. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, shame on you. Uh, but go back and listen to the uh, uh, Build and Analyze After Dark for episode. Uh, what are you guys on now? I think it was 86. How did he get so far ahead of us? Did he start before us? We're still keeping parity with uh, hypercritical, but but Marco started before us. I think we do two shows a week for the Marco show. Okay, love that show. Love that guy. Um, so so yeah, I would say for grilling in general, you were right on right on with. Uh, I don't get off my thing here. First of all, let's start with this. Um, yeah, I personally, I'm a ribeye guy. A ribeye guy. I like a New York strip. Those are those are those are two go tos. But here here's some things I want to tell you about that are good to know. These are cheaper cuts that are excellent for for grilling and otherwise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you three. Although there are many more, this is not complete. First of all, a great one that's not as expensive, six ninety nine a pound, tri-tip. For, go, gr- for grilling. Can be good for grilling. It's also great for roasting, broasting, uh, slow. I don't know. I, I cook it a lot in the oven, but it can be great for grilling. A lot of these for grilling, well, you know, there's lots of foods. And here's another thing men don't know is the whole idea of par cooking. Like there are guys who are like, I'm making ribs this weekend. And they go out and they buy like $150 worth of ribs and throw it on the grill cold and they put <laughs> barbecue sauce on it. Like and an they're idiot. done. Well, you par cook them. Like you go in and you kind of mostly cook the ribs in your oven like a gentleman, and then you go outside and finish them off. Hey, or finishing. You it's, them. A, it's finishing. Yeah. Well, this is true for lots of things. Like you ever make asparagus on the grill? Yes. Okay. Well, for that, I will put those in the microwave or whatever you prefer to cook them until, not cook them, but just to barely, not even, I don't know if blanch is the word, but you, you cook them where they're still hard but, and they're not all floppy. But you don't want to just throw asparagus on the grill. What will happen? That's a, that's a fool's errand. Well, it's the same what problem. will happen? Well, it's like throwing a rib roast on the grill and going, I wonder why the middle's so cold. You know, it's if you par cook it a little bit and then finish it on the grill, I put a little bit, I put on a little bit of, uh, I throw it around in a bag, like a Ziploc brand bag with some olive oil, a little bit of salt and some sugar. And some, um, you know, salt and pepper, if you like that kind of thing. Uh, you got to go easy with the salt on everything because you can, you can ruin it. We'll get to that in a minute. But with uh, the asparagus, I say par cook it a little bit. And uh, putting a little bit of sugar on anything um, doesn't need a lot. But that helps uh, to caramelize it. God, I sound like one of those idiots on cable TV. I'm so sorry. Uh, I sound like one of those fat guys with, with blonde hair. <sighs> anyway, uh, this is the way to do it. Par- <laughs> what is that a reference to? Don't even get me started on that guy. My hand which, to God, don't guy? get me started. Which guy? Me start. I'm, am I literally begging you? 
But here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to re- recommend three. Tri-tip, flat iron, and skirt steak. Uh, tri-tips are great. Now, um, now, tri-tip is relatively inexpensive. It's real, like, you know, kind of sinewy. Uh, I'll say, I'll, I'll give you some tri- uh, tri-tip tip. Um, you cook it however you like. We're going to get to cooking in a second. I would say make sure when you cut up the tri-tip, cut against the grain, right? It makes it very delicious. Flat iron steak. Flat iron steaks were invented a few years ago. We didn't, there was a part of the cow we never knew was bioavailable for food. And they discovered this right in Gainesville at the University of Florida. They discovered something called the flat iron steak. It became the official uh, steak, overpriced steak of the dot-com era. Flat iron's a great steak. It takes a marinade very well. Excellent. My third choice would be skirt steak. You are used to having these on things like tacos and burritos. But it's if you like a meaty tasting steak, like if you like a ribeye, if you aren't one of those filet mignon doofuses, these are really good steaks. Filet mignon is for suckers. That's it. So, filet mignon is like for children and poodles. Do not eat a filet mignon. It's a waste <laughs> of your time. It's not that good. There's not much taste to it unless you get a really good one. Okay, so that's my three tips for cheap cuts. What would you say for a cheap cut? You, you don't want to grill. The I just go with ribeye, dude. I just have no. ribeye all the time. Yeah, but it, you know, if you like a meaty steak, like a meaty taste, a non-filet mignon taste, um, tri-tips are great. I'll tell you a good one for the tri-tip. Now, in general, I tri-tips say, are, are the number one underrated sleeper steak of the world. Oh, it's up there. It's up there with the uh, with the, with the butcher steak. You know, with the hanger steak and oh, uh, yeah, the, hanger steak, flank oh, steak. The, now, see the thing about a, a, a flat iron and especially skirt steak. I'm going to tell you by and large not to salt your meat. Why not? Why not? Well, so you're saying I got this wrong? Not necessarily. I have I have my own view on this. Oh, you know what? I meant to tell you first of all. I am not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a chef. If you die because of my steak, <laughs> don't blame me. All right. Right. Um, I'm like John Stewart. You know, I'm not a journalist, except I'm kind of a journalist. Um, I'm going to say don't. I will say be circumspect with the salt because salt can really dry it out. I I like to salt late in the process. Um, like you mean while it's on the grill. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, you know, if it works for you, that's no problem. But my, my opinion on general on seasoning, this is just my opinion, <clears throat> it can be good. But I would say either be really light with the salt until late in, in the process or use just salt. Now, my friend from Brazil, my friend Gil, told me this. Probably Gil. Um, told me this. Not, we, not we, good old Gil, not him. Oh, Gil needs this one. <laughs> oh, I'll put him on the phone. <clears throat> he, calls, he calls in his wife's with her boyfriend. <laughs> Yo, how's it going? Um, now, here, here's a trick he taught me. God, this is going to be long. I'm so sorry. Tri-tip. Here's what you do. You have to get a tri-tip. And, uh, and, and all, all you put on it is like kosher salt. It sounds so crazy. Not even any oil, not anything. He told me, I'm going to do this. It's going to be good. That's my, that's my Portuguese accent. And uh, it was fantastic. But, but by and large, apart from that on a tri-tip, I'd go really easy. Flat iron steak. Um, this is a terrific thing. You can, uh, I think, flat iron and skirt steaks both take a marinade very well. And now, and now if, you're, if you're like a college kid and all you got is some little hibachi, you want to hear the craziest, this is, this is do, not, do not make fun of me. I'm telling you, if you want the world's cheapest, easiest, stupidest, like no-brainer marinade, you ready for this? Zesty Italian dressing. Really? Mm-hmm, because it helps break down. It's got the citrus in it. And you, uh, so I know it's not like gourmet, relaxed foodie, but if you toss that around in a Ziploc for not too long, you don't want to turn it into orange juice or something. But uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have a brand that you like? I believe Kraft, if I remember, serves. <laughs> I believe Kraft, that's spelled with a K, like Kraft Ebbing. Uh, you, uh, you do that. And anyway, <clears throat> I don't want to go too far, but that's what I would say for cheaper cuts. If you can get a ribeye, get a ribeye. 
Now let's get to the really important stuff. The really important stuff happens before you ever go on the grill. You've touched on some of this, but not every shame on you for not listening to every after dark. Mm. But here's first of all, um, aging. If you get aged meat, it will taste more like meat. It'll look super weird because if you buy like an aged rib roast, it'll look kind of whitish. Do you ever age steak? Oh yeah. Well, we haven't here in Texas, but I have. And I saw a good Alton Brown episode on that where he explains how to do it in your fridge at home. That's what I do. That's what I do. You get a little rack, like a baking rack. You wrap it in like a... Well, it depends on how you want to do it. This, I'm just telling you how I do it. But um, wrap it in some clean, uh, hopefully fresh and very tidy, non-dusty, hypoallergenic dish towels for like a day or so. Um, the rule of thumb I heard, uh, please email Dan if this is not correct. I do uh, one day per pound. And you can check it out. Uh, you might, you, what you might want to do also is put paper towels underneath the rack because you want it to get exposure to air on all sides. And uh, it draws out the moisture and, and it makes it like a tri-tip. You can't believe the difference this makes with a tri-tip. You put a three-pound three tri-tip in for two or three days and it's so good. Um, now, if you go out and buy like an aged rib roast, it's pretty expensive. You're going to pay like, a, you know, even at a regular old, you know, supermarket, you're going to pay a lot. You're not going to get aged meat. You're going to get that super red looking creepy meat. Anyway. So would you trust a place to uh, age the meat for you? You're saying no. You're saying yeah, you get yeah, it as I fresh would. as you can, then you age it. I would. I mean, there's a place down the street from here called uh, Guerra's, which is this um, meat market that's been there forever, and they're terrific. But you can do it at home. It's not very expensive. It's easy to do. And if you plan ahead a little bit, it's a good way to go. Don't do it for 12 days. That's probably not safe. Um, but well, that, what, what, sometimes you go to a nice steak restaurant, and you say, oh, you know, I want, I want some meat. And they say, well, we age for 30 days. Well, Why I is guess, it safe there if it's not in your own house? I have you to tell you, I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I'm... I'm kind of weirded out by the idea of bad food, mm -hmm. like food going bad, you know? When and was the last time you ate something that had gone bad? I couldn't tell you until the next day. But, you know, uh, <laughs> I think I've gotten... It's hard to tell. Because of, because of my constitution, it's sometimes hard to tell if it's bad food or bad meat. But um, let's just avoid that. But uh, the aging, it works. It works great. Right now, we've got a tri-tip in there that I'm going to cook in a couple of days. It's really good. And I, we cooked that in the oven, in our, in our crummy little San Francisco oven. God, um, I mean, it's the conditions you live in are just... Ugh. It's really, it's, it's, it's like second and a half world. It's, it's, not, it's not second world, it's not third world. We're like in the, the 2.6 world. I think that's a Marvel thing. Uh, you hit on something very <laughs> that's important. Earth, that's Earth 2.6. Uh, Earth 2.6, sorry. And there's a, oh, it's an M dash. Um, no, it's not. I know it's a regular dash. Shut up. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Was that, did you just call me? You just text me something? I texted it to you like um, 10 minutes ago. Okay. Huh. All right. Oh, oh, okay. That's a, it's a note from one of our listeners. Thank you. Um, okay, now you hit on something really important. This is, this is so overlooked and it's so critical to any kind of cooking of, of anything. The bigger the thing is, the more important it is that you let it come to room temperature. I cannot overstate this enough. Again, don't get it so hot that you die. It, it, it is very different to do this in uh, Florida versus in San Francisco where it's like uh, 32 degrees every day. But what I do is I would take it out in half an hour, maybe I do longer. I take it out for a couple hours before just because it's San Francisco and it's 50 degrees. Yeah, I was going to say that room temperature there is not room temperature Right, but, but if you grab a, a hearty cut of a of non, ribeye is even a bad example, but there are people, these guys who don't know how to cook. I mean, like don't, I mean, most men understand uh, 100% microwave, 350 degrees, and broiling. And everything else is a black box. 
There's a lot of subtlety to this. It's just, it's just like, it's just like uh, pleasuring your partner. There are many things to learn in more than three settings, Josh. And so what I would say <laughs> is take it out and let it come to room temperature. Now, why does this matter? Well, it should seem obvious, but it's not. When you cook it, it will cook much more evenly and it will give you much more flexibility than if it's, uh, if it's warm on the outside or for that matter, cold all the way through. With rib roast, I'm a big rib roast man. I don't do it a lot because it's kind of just easier. It's like burritos. It's easier to have somebody else make it. But if you're going to do a rib roast, yes, dry it out. And yes, really let that thing come to room temperature. Unless you really like a true rare or, or, or sub rare, you know, you're going to have a really creepy like rainbow colored prime rib if you just pop it in because it's going to be all brown on the outside and all red on the inside and not in a good way. You can do the English style of cooking. We don't have time to talk about that today. Now, I'm going to tell you something very controversial, but this can work. I, I don't advocate for this, but sometimes you're in a rush. You could put it on a plate in the microwave at 20% for a few minutes. I know people don't like microwaves. They're scared of scanners. John Syracuse can't go near telephones or his, his nodes get confused. Right. But I'm just telling you, you, if you could do 20% for a few minutes and that'll get it close enough. I'm almost done. Um, go to Amazon.com. There's a link for this in show notes and buy something called a jacquard. J-A-C-C-A-R-D. And this is a crazy looking dingus uh, that consists of 45 or 48 extremely tiny knives that let you tenderize a steak that would normally be not quite as tender as you like. You don't need to do this with a rib roast. But if you buy any, if you want to cook uh, without uh, pressure cooking, there's all kinds of cuts, like a, like a pot roast kind of thing where you're never going to, you know, the whole point of the cooking is to soften it up. But if you've got something like a tri-tip, get a jacquard. And it's hard to describe without looking at it, but if you can imagine this dingus that you hold in two hands, it's rectangular, it's got a little safety thing, but you push it down and 48 tiny knives, like, like, like the size of like the, the point of an X-Acto knife, go through and cut up the little sinews and um, tenderize the meat without destroying it. You know, remember back in the day, everybody had one of those big mallets with spikes on it? Yeah, yeah. You just slam it on right on there. Well, that's great if you want to make veal pancakes, but it's not so great if you want a steak that, that doesn't taste like Captain Crunch that's been sitting in milk. You just chicard it. Chicka, 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 chicka. And, uh, and that's so after you take it out, let it go to room temperature, use the jacquard. That's totally optional. Oh, I got to move faster through this. Uh, seasoning. I would say go easy. You know what? I'm white trash. I like Mrs. Dash. I would marry Mrs. Dash if she weren't already married and I weren't already married. Let's not make it weird. But uh, I, like, I like a Mrs. Dash. It's a salt-free seasoning that you can use sparingly that will add lots of uh, herby flavor to things without making it weird. Uh, let's talk quickly about the elbow or hand trick. Describe quickly. What is the... This is for testing doneness. Oh, God, let's get one thing. Here's the thing, guys. Don't play with your food. Do not play with the steak. Put it in the oven and leave it alone. Put it on the grill and leave it alone. Whatever you do, do not poke your steak to see if it's done. That's monkey balls. That's like, that's like poking a boiled egg to see if it's done yet. Like, don't do that, right? You will get, you will get better at this. If you, what you can do is go to some place like a Williams-Sonoma type thing and get a remote temperature probe. If you're worried about a rib roast, get a remote temperature probe. You push it all the way into the center, not near a bone, once. And then you get this uh, little remote thing that says when it gets to like 126 degrees, in my case, probably 150 degrees in your case, because you're living a lie. But wait till it gets whatever temperature you want and you'll know that it's done. But do not poke, because poking breaks the sear, it makes it bleed, and, and it's, it's a rookie mistake. Marco says that he doesn't believe that that has anything to do with it. When I worked at McDonald's, I learned something <laughs> that, that, I, that I know to this day. Okay. First of all, people do pee in the pickle barrel. And second, a lot of times with a lot of meat, like when it starts to get a little bit bloody on top, 
that's you know that's when to flip it. Right, blood it up. If, if you're really uncomfortable and worried about this, and you're cooking like a ribeye, if if you if you don't believe Merlin's wonderful tips, just just do this. Take your finger, okay. and on the t- or a thing, and on the top, kind of probe into an area between the beef and the fat, do and it. you'll see whether it's real red. If it's real red and bloody, yeah. Unless you want a true, like deeply, like raw, almost raw, rare, it needs to cook more. How do you like your steak cooked, Merlin? I like uh, I like rare. I like rare, but not raw. Um, you ever eaten a raw steak? Like I've had, a, you know, uh, like cooked cooked properly on the outside, but essentially raw in the middle. Like Pittsburgh or black and blue. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Like you have a baseball steak, black and blue, it's the best. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, here's what I would say. Now, this is this is one of the best. I, I, this is not go for everything, but if you have to have one rule of thumb about how to cook, here is how to cook. It's almost ready when it smells like food and it sounds like food, right? If it doesn't smell like food yet, it's probably not cooked. If it doesn't sound like food, it's almost definitely not cooked. So if it's not sizzling and you don't smell anything, it's probably not cooked. <laughs> that sounds silly. That's but, a good, you know, good uh, rule of thumb. If something's sizzling, it's probably cooking. Yeah. Right? So uh, all I'm saying, guys, is you think, you know, I can't believe, oh, it drives me crazy. Here's the thing about grilling and men is that it really is like I have a member of the family whom I love who's completely paranoid about the food thing. He cooks everything until it's it's like a, the sole of a shoe. He uses different utensils for putting it on and taking it off. And he's always poking at it and doing all this stuff. But I can't say anything. It's his grill. Right. It's his, his grill. It would be like me saying, stand aside and let me show you how to please your woman. Wow. Like, you can't do that. No, step away from the grill. It's the other man's grill. If he offers, you may come in and gently offer one suggestion and then get out of the way. You don't mess with another man's grill. I didn't make up the rule. I'm just, I just know. I just know. You, you get a pack of fives for that. You know what I'm saying? I do. I'm almost done. Um, so, so do you agree, Dan? Don't play with it. I, I just see guys sitting there with this, with the grill, with their, with their stupid chef's hat on, poking at it with a big that's, long fork. That's just weird. I mean, I learned, I was, uh, I was thinking about 10 years ago, my a wife and I, and, uh, another couple went and we had a, like a cabin in, uh, North Carolina and near Asheville or something like that. Bryson city. Hmm. And he wanted to do some steaks. And this, this was, I didn't know a lot about cooking steaks. And I thought you had to like temp it and all this. He's like, no. Like you turn the grill up, you put it on there, you flip it over after whatever it was, five minutes. He's like, it's done. I'm like, there's, there's no way that that's going to come out good. He's like, all right, well, how about this? If it doesn't come out good, I'll buy all the steaks. I said, all right. And that's, you know, he threw it on there, he flipped it over. It was great. The best steak. And ever since then, I started to really learn and want to learn about this. How do you do it? How do you do it right? How do you do it with the least intervention as possible? You don't want to overhandle your meat, Merlin. No, if you overhandle your meat, you introduce a lot of dander. Now, how do you how do you like your burgers done? It depends. I, I uh, as you know, there place, is no inside, and there is no outside when it's ground beef. You just blew my mind. Well, we went to a place, a really good place for lunch in Atlanta, and they. It's not like the South Carolina rules, but like they they will only cook it medium well. I'm like, trust us, medium well. This is from a waiter with a with a beard and a barrette in his hair. So what are you gonna say? <laughs> Fat Lana. <laughs> barrette Lana. You don't you don't mess with it with a guy with a barrette in his hair because obviously he's a food service professional. Obviously, I'll take your advice, my little pony. Uh but anyway. <laughs> I'm almost done. Um I like I like a, I can, I like a burger medium. Oh, I like a, well, when I oh make a burger, 
We know some people, they think this is the other thing. You know what, Dan? We need to have a whole different show for this. Okay. But, but uh, you know, some people, they think meatloaf is you just grab a bunch of ground beef and throw it in. They don't understand anything about, maybe not in your case, breadcrumbs, seasoning. But a, a really good meatloaf should be a combination of like beef and pork and maybe veal. Sorry. But, you know, you mix that up and it's, boy, it's a heck of a thing if you make a, make a, good, uh, a good meatloaf. But... Um, the, uh, you know, the doneness thing is tricky. I, some people really like a medium well. There are some people who will only eat a steak if it's like really, really, really overcooked. And I've been to places that I really love where they're like, if you want a steak that's medium well, you should go to a grocery store and ruin it yourself. Because we're not going to do that. Our beef is good here. Like anybody who gets a ribeye and wants it well done should be horse whipped. It's disgusting. Uh, seasoning. Okay, so tell the, tell the hand trick and I'll tell the elbow trick. I've never heard of the elbow one. Yeah, well, so this is, if you're trying to determine doneness, look, here's another thing. Let's bring it back to the show. Expertise, right? This is the kind of thing where you're going to have to do this a lot to get good at it, right? You're going to have to ruin, it, you're going to have to be willing to ruin some steaks. Well, and to this day, I still get it wrong sometimes. I don't, my, my daughter likes like medium rare, but I don't want to give it to her deadly. So what I do is, and we'll get to this in a minute with how to do setting up because setting up is really important. But um, I will, uh, sometimes I'll cook them if, just to have a bell curve. If we have like three steaks and I'll eat all the steak. Don't worry about that. Like, you know, there never are leftovers um, unless I plan ahead for leftovers. But, but do you know what I mean? Like what I'll do sometimes is I'll take one off really early for me and let it set up. And then I'll take one off a little later for, you know, like Madeline and her. And then I'll have one that's kind of like a safety stick. Like the smallest one I'll let cook a little longer. And I might poke it a little bit because what does she know? She's four. Um, just to be sure. But, you know, st- we're going to get to this in a second. But steak, all meat keeps cooking after you take it out. Please learn this. If you listen to those jackals at the FDA and take it out when it's 160 degrees, well, first of all, you might as well just throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, that's the, I don't know why you would eat that. Right. You, you might as well just literally throw garbage on your grill. If we're talking we'll about us. steak. Now, if you're talking about chicken, that's different. Could be. Depends on what kind of chicken you're getting. Ooh. I'm just saying, you don't want, if you're going to buy the factory stuff, you, you deserve what you get. But if you're going to, you can, you can eat, believe it or not, you can have steak tartare and not die. Artisanal steak. Artisanal. So tell them your hand trick. I'll tell the elbow trick. All right. The hand if trick. If you're trying to determine, if you're trying to determine doneness and you don't want to be an idiot and stick a big fork in it over and over, what do you do? <laughs> so hold, hold out uh, your, your left hand or whichever hand. It doesn't really matter. You hold out your hand and uh, you take the index finger of your other hand and you, you poke the, uh, the fleshy palm, part of your palm, the flesh area between the thumb and the base of the palm, right? Mm-hmm. Relax your hand when you're doing this. So this is, this is what a raw steak will feel like. So now if you, to see the total other end of the spectrum, if you take your thumb and you connect it to your pinky, right? And now you feel that same spot, that fleshy part, that's what a well done steak is going to feel hmm. like. So thumb to, thumb to ring finger, that's medium. Thumb to middle finger, that's medium rare. And thumb to four, first finger, and like you're doing the OK symbol, and that's rare. That's pretty good. What um, are you talking it, about with your elbow, though? That seems go to go to. Oh, I'll put this in the robot. Filthy, for you. actually. Yeah. Oh, the elbow. <laughs> Here's the thing: make a fist. Ooh. Now buy some drinks. I'm gonna send this to you in the robot. Right. Um, and by the way, it? I just I googled this. To, I did. I searched for finger test meat. <laughs> Finger test meat. And I found an article which has even has pictures. So I'm going to put that into the show notes, which can be found at 5x5.tv slash B2W. That's boys and then the number two and then women, W, 
slash 76. Yeah. Um, this is on a, uh, a really funny old school website. This is the first thing I came up with from the Google. Uh, old school uh, website for people who like to cook on a Weber. Now, this is, I've heard this before. Okay, so take that same titular uh, left, left, left hand, mm-hmm. like your left arm, put out in front of you. Take your finger and like put it right at the crook of the inside of your elbow. Oh, I see. Feel, that, feel how soft that is? I do. Okay. Hold on now, a minute. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does that kind of feel like that uh, does, first, totally. first part of your hand? Okay, now move a couple inches to the right and you push a little bit. Mm. So the first one is rare. That next one is medium rare. You go down a little further where it's a little bit like closer closer to your wrist, a little further, and uh, you, you get the idea. So basically, you're, if you think of it this way, you're, the inside of your elbow, that soft part where the little veins are, where, you, where, where your kids like to shoot up with your, uh, with your, uh, with your kit. <laughs> what do they call that? With your setup, with your hookup, what do they call it with the heroin? Anyway, put it on your heroin hole and feel that, and that's rare. Go all the way up to just below your wrist, and that's well done. And in between is a continuum. Yeah. Anyway, you'll get that mostly. Now, let's, let's do one last thing real quickly, because this is going on too long. Setting up. So important. Like, if you, if, like the rib roast example. Like, it's a really big deal to make a rib roast. It takes a lot of time. It's really expensive, and you don't want to screw it up. If you take a rib roast out of the oven and put a knife straight into it, oh. You're entering a world of sin. Pain. The worst. See, they should they should take away your spatula and just hit you with it till you cry. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, because what it's got to do, it's got to set up. It's got to sit for. Do a you while. cover it? I do. What do you cover with? Aluminum foil. Aluminium. Aluminium. Now you can do this however you want. And again, this is just my thing. Like if you don't like this, email Dan. Um, <laughs> but I, what I do is I take it out. And here's the thing: if you want a true rare. It's not raw. You got to take it out when it's like, I take it out at like 126, 128, 130. And then I wrap it pseudo tightly in aluminum foil. Do you wrap the steak or do you wrap the plate that the steak is on? Um, I, I'm ready to learn, but I do the steak. Okay. And, and then, then you get a neat thing out of this, which is you let that... And again, you'll get your own feel for how to do this if you do it enough. But I leave it in there for a few minutes. That keeps it warm, but it also lets it keep cooking, which it's going to do anyway. And then here's a neat trick. When you open up the aluminum foil, if you, you, know, you open up the aluminum foil, if there's like brown liquid in there, it's cooked. If there's just red liquid that just looks like blood, it's, it's not cooked. So what do you, you do screw then? Screw it up. You go buy another steak and start over like a gentleman. You can't put it back on? <laughs> I guess you could. could that you? seems like, I don't know, what is it? That At seems that like, point, you know what I think you do? I think you put it on a fry pan. You just fry, fry it. Fry pan. You fry just pan. Finish, it off. Fry pan. finish it on a fry pan. This is way enough about meat. But there are many more things you can learn about, Lee. If you enjoyed this discussion of meat, go to your public library and say to the librarian, could you please show me some meat? I'm the pig of the month. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, if, if you only remember one thing out of that, let's see, uh, two hours and 16 minutes of talking about meat. It, uh, and this is good in general. If it smells like food and it sounds like food, it's probably almost food. That's not true for everything, but you know, it's it does it does take a while. And hey, can I recommend a book? Let me recommend a book. Um, it's so funny when I first started doing forty three folders. I don't know why. In the life hack stuff in my head, there were these uh, two books that always like stuck out to me as being really related to the life hack stuff, but in home life. Uh, unrelated, but but still very interesting to me, is a book called Home Comforts, which is this wonderful book about doing housework and like efficient ways to like do. It's a really really cool book uh, to do stuff like um, I don't know, it's just like the the smartest way to do your dishes, like how to do dishes. It's a really cool book, Home Home Comforts. Now, uh, 
more specific to this matter, there's a terrific book called, is it called? I want to say On Cooking, but that seems too easy. On Cooking. The guy's name's like Harold somebody, I think. He's from around here. Faltermeyer? Falter. <laughs> oh, man. Why can't I remember this name of this book? Oh, Science. Is it Science and Cooking? Crud. You got to cut all this out. Science of Cooking? Yeah, we'll edit all this out. Yeah, On Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. Uh, this is, I highly recommend this book, especially if you're even just a little bit nerdy. And I'm just a little bit nerdy. On Food and Cooking is really, it's about, well, what's the subtitle? The Science and Lore of the Kitchen. And it's all about like why meat tastes good. And it's just full of great stuff about like how cooking works, how caramelizing works from a scientific standpoint. And it's really, really interesting. Like why, why doing this kind of thing is good, good in cooking and why doing this kind of thing is not. Greatest tip I ever heard from this, this guy, uh, he, he, he pops up on like uh, Fresh Air around like Thanksgiving. You ever notice when you cook a turkey, like, you know, the thing is white meat on any kind of poultry, you want to cook at a lower temperature to have it taste good. And dark meat, you want to cook at a higher temperature to taste good. It's just how it works. But the, the, you put a turkey in the oven and you got that, that delicate white meat like right up near the heat source. He has this great idea of like putting ice. And when you're letting the turkey come to room temperature, if you've got a big one, put a pack of ice on the top of the turkey to keep it really chilled. Mm. Isn't that smart? And then when you put it in, it'll cook more evenly. I never heard of such a thing. We're going to get so much email about this. You're going to have to read so much email on food and cooking. That's probably enough about grilling. But uh, there's always a lot to learn about these things. Um, I don't know. I think it is kind of a guy thing. Guys love barbecuing. It's like a whole thing. There's fire and stuff. But uh, also, uh, you know the trick about... You got a gas gas grill, right? Of course. Okay. Well, you know what? This is already too much. We got to go. Want to button this up? Yeah, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Um, so that's good. Any comments? I talked a lot there, but this is all. This is this might be the most important information we've ever shared on this. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, it's true, and it, it makes a big difference because your family's going to sit around and act like they like whatever you make them, unless they're a kid, and they're going to tell you the truth. You know, from the mouths of babes comes advice about how you're not very good at cooking steak. But, uh, you know, seriously, quit buying filet mignon. It's really overpriced for what you get. If you can people really, buy really, that really... to have, have it at home? Well, I, I, think, I think fancy people like to grill it, huh. you, know? I, I, you know? But, I mean, there are so many good cuts of beef that are, are, people don't know about. I'm not talking about variety meats. I'm not talking about, like, hooves and horns. But, I mean, there are all kinds of cuts that you can get. The key thing is cooking the right kind of meat in the right place in the right way, right? Um, you know, if, if you go out and buy a brisket and just throw it, you know, cold on your grill, like you're going to be a sad little man. Yeah. Like if you cook a, a rib roast in, in, a, uh, in, in a pressure cooker, you're throwing good money after bad. They're all good for different things. You can make a really, really, really good pot roast in like a slow cooker. Um, and it depends on how you season it, uh, the kind of stuff you use, like different kinds of rubs. My, uh, my sister-in-law who threw my glasses away, not that I'm angry, she makes this thing called Bicentennial Rub that's like amazing. You ever gotten one of those, by the way? You ever go to New Orleans and get a Bicentennial Rub? Uh, not in New Orleans. Turns out $200. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's really good. That's really good on pork and lamb and stuff like that. Wow. And uh, if you're a vegan, um, I guess you should get some watercress. So uh, that's, that's, that's mostly what I've got. You know, Dan, I've got a lot more, but I'm going to stop here. But you know what? I'm doing the I'm in the wrong racket, Dan Dan Benjamin. I should be talking about meat. I know you should. I'm sure I got a lot wrong. Um, but mostly not. Don't poke. Yeah. Boy, maybe it makes you want a steak. 
I mean, I might, I might, uh, I might take that uh, tri-tip out, not completely aged. Hmm. Can I tell you about something I like? Please. Okay. There's this thing I like a lot. Have you heard about this uh, smile? They make this thing called uh, Text Expander. Text Expander. It's in my menu bar. All right. It's a and little get, T and a little E and a little blue circle. Let's, gonna get, let's get straight to the, uh, the meat of this. All right. Uh, Text Expander is a, 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 a typing shortcut utility. It says here right in the title of the uh, web page. Uh, what that means is you type a couple letters, a few letters, and it explodes a, a much larger thing. A typical example, when I type EMG, I've shortened it now. When I type EMG, it goes bloop, and it turns into my email address. If you don't think that saves time, you're monkey balls. That saves so much time. It's so great. But you can also do stuff like if you're on your Mac, running on your Mac, you can run shell scripts. You can run Apple scripts. You can have snippets, these are called, uh, nested inside of other snippets. Um, one thing I linked to in show notes today, Brett Terpster has a really good Apple uh, <laughs> has a really good Ruby script um, for making a bit.ly URL uh, with your own login. You just put in your API key and your name, and in my case, I type, type slash bit.ly, and it turns whatever I had in the clipboard, whatever URL, turns it into a bit.ly link. Pretty mm, cool. That's very cool. You can nest these in other ones. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I have this... I have this uh, I had this really uh, sexy one I use a lot. Uh, I just type G day one and bloop, up in the menu bar in Google, it spits in, show me all of my important unread email from the last day. I've got all these snippets if you guys want to see them. Stuff like that, incredibly useful. Um, I'll give you a few more of these in a second. But what, I, what you need to know about right now is the new version of Text Expander has this thing called, uh, they've expanded their form fill-in functionality. And it's amazingly useful. Long story short, you build a little snippet, something like an email that you send a lot. Um, in the past, it's been really great. You get a simple, they used to have a simple pop-up where you could just enter in like a text field, basically. So, so you say, dear, enter name of person. And it's, it's a super easy way to do stuff you do over and over. Well, they've now added, in addition, uh, they've got these, all these different field types now. So in addition to stuff like just that one field, you can have a pull-down menu. Um, you can choose from options. You, you, it's, it's, it's super cool to see in practice. Um, I think I linked, yeah, I think I linked to this in show notes. Uh, D Sparks from over at the uh, Mac Power Users did a great screencast showing how he uses this. It's, it's really powerful and it doesn't take a whole lot of thought to figure out how you can use this. I, I, I talked to some people the other day, actually at MailChimp. They're not employees, but they were visiting there talking about like they're a startup and how much email they have to respond to. They spend so much of every day responding to email. And I'm like, well, is there any way to, automate any of that. And they're like, well, no, it's business development, it's customers. And I was like, well, I'll bet you, you don't have a thousand kinds of email that you have to respond to. I bet you've got three to six kinds of email. And with essentially, I would say probably three or four different snippets, you could answer any of those kinds of email. You could have one that's all about biz dev and all the drop down menus. Thank you for your note about working together. Thank you for your note about it selling banner ads on our site. You just you go click, click, click. You just flip through that with your tab. You grab the thing you want. It fills all that in for you. It's super fast. And if you just think, again, heart of life hacks, figure out what the problem is, think this stuff through, you build a few of these and you're going to be good to go. I'll tell you a couple more. I, I took a minute to grab a couple more of my good ones that yeah. I like. And I'll be happy to post these or, or gist them or whatever. But one thing I like to do a lot is when I uh, post a link to something, I always like to put in a via link. So I'll copy the URL to my clipboard. I type VVIA. And it goes bloop, and it spits out in brackets. I'm marked. <laughs> Is there any way I could get your your actual voice and, and replace the built-in sound? Because I like it yeah. better. Okay, wait. Give me a second. Ready? Bloop. How's that? That's perfect. Can I, can I give you a couple more? Yeah. Shortened. You save time. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> That's good enough. Um, so I type uh, VVIA and it pops in, bloop, and it pops in uh, in brackets the word VIA and a markdown link with the word VIA that puts that in right there for me. It's super fast. Um, I am not that tightly wound about many things, but I like to use the correct punctuation uh, when mentioning the movie Wall-E. And I mention it enough that I don't want to have to search around for an interpunct or whatever the hell it's called. Because uh, uh, not a bullet in Wally. It's actually not a bullet. I think it's called an interpunct. I don't really care. But I got it right once. And now whenever I type W-A-L-L dash E, it goes boop and it spits out the correctly punctuated Wally. So I'll never have to hear from Dr. Wave that I got that wrong. You know what happens if I type O-N-B-R-I-A-R? It oh. spits out... O-N-B-R-I-A-R. No. It spits out, what's your address over there? You're over on Briar, right? <laughs> um, I have one that I made just today. I type B-B-N-O-T-E, B-B-Note, and it spits out back to B-2-W. So this is for naming a file for this week's Back to Work show notes. It types out B-2-W, and then it has a little pop-up where I fill in the name of the episode. So I type in E-76, show, note, and then it puts the date. And I have a snippet for date. It's like a simplified, like 2012-7-16. That, that all sounds crazy. And if you're not using it, again, I, I really recommend looking at screencasts of this stuff because you get it really fast. I did a screencast. That, you know what? I will add that to show notes too. I will find my link to a screencast I did about how I use this. I use it for YouTube embeds, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, you got to get this text expander. Now, here's the thing. These uh, jackals over at the Apple, they got the, uh, you know what? Cut that out. Um, sandboxing is a thing now. So if you want to buy Text Expander, <laughs> you need to go to their site to get it because it's so powerful that they're scared of it. You know, it's like the Phoenix Force of typing. The Phoenix That's pretty Force good. of typing. They could run with that. Yeah. And like, uh, you will have to ask Jean Grey McDonald if she likes that. Is that, so her, me, is that her middle name? You know, she had a Jean Grey icon she put up for a while. Did you, did you see the photograph I put on my, on my weblog or blog? Did you see the photograph that Moltz sent me? Kung Fu. Oh, oh, you'll know it when you see it, buddy boy. Oh, ho, ho. yeah, exactly. No. I, had buy, I had to buy a new iPad. <laughs> I, well, I bet. Yeah, I used to just use a squeegee. Look at that guy in the background; he's having fun. I think he just did a phoenix bombing. You know what? Let's put this uh, thanks for ruining the picture, buddy, yeah. Mister Flesh-Colored Shirt. Yeah, look at me. I gotta go tea. I, I am wearing a shirt. Ha ha! Would you please sign my meaty arm? <laughs> Uh, meaty arm. <laughs> New from Marvel. Uh, you know, I saw Sunfire show up the other day somewhere I didn't expect it. He comes back at some point, huh? You want Sunfire? me to ruin everything? I wish somebody would just beat the crap out of that guy. Is that ping pong? So here's the thing. Help me make sure I get this right, Dan. This is Text Expander 4. It costs $34.95, which you can certainly afford because this is, <laughs> what did I call this? It's the Wolverine of dancing. What's yes. it called? It's the <laughs> yeah, Phoenix yes. Force of... It's the Batmobile of automobiles. <laughs> it's the Princeton of ice capades. Of, uh, and so you go in and you buy this thing. It's $34.99. Now, here's the deal. If you got the Texas Panda 3, you can upgrade for $15. And if you already bought it after January 15th, you get it for free. So all you got to do is go to the Smile site. You're going to go to smilesoftware.com slash B2W. And I think they, don't they still have, do they still have that funny picture up? I'm looking. You no, know it's, what? it's Smile, but the smile. domain is still Smile Software. And yes, they do still have the picture, the old one. And it's no dub, dub, dub. They took that off. Oh, oh my God. The picture's getting... Oh, my God. I think my lines are getting deeper. They are getting deeper. I heard... You know what? We're going to come straight back to what Mark told me. I can't believe how perfidious you are. I can't believe... You're, you're asking Mark how much deeper the lines in my face should be? 
Well, there were some choices, yeah. You sent Mark several images of my face and asked him to pick the one that looked like it had deep enough lines to look like my face. Yeah, but not too old. You're supposed to be my lab partner. <laughs> you're disloyal. No you're, not. no, you're not. You're disloyal. Favorite line right now. <laughs> I got to tell you about this thing I like a lot called uh, Text Expander. And so what you do is you go to that small site. You go to smallsoftware.com slash btw. You look for the face of the man who's nearly dead. God, I look so old. In that I'll give them, I'll, I'll send Gene one of the, the lighter, <laughs> the lighter ones. Because I've got a whole, cho- I've got a bunch of like choices. The, it's the avatar of Dorian Gray. And so uh, you go to that site, there's a deal. <laughs> How many people do you think will get that one? All of them? No. Oh, the only thing worse than an Oscar Wilde joke is not making an Oscar Wilde joke. So you go in and you go to that smile site and you download the new version. And here's the thing. You'll get an upgrade for $15 American. And how will it know? Because of Disney magic. That's a copyright of Walt Disney Corporation. But you'll go in and basically you're going to get the opportunity to um, enter in, I guess, uh, you enter in your old cereal. Is that right? I think you enter in your old cereal and it recognizes it and it gives you a, a, you a discount. Yeah. Right. We don't need no stinking app store. Um, yeah, seriously, we, uh, we shuck and we jive. But I, 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 I've, I've talked about this every chance I get. I talked about this when I was on uh, uh, talk show version three. I talked about this on Mac Power Users. Everywhere I go, I say the same thing, which is like I, 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 I feel like such a sucker when I don't have text expander. If something's happened, like I accidentally quit it or something, I notice within seconds. I use this thing so much. Um, with all these, like with all these things, it's like explaining a magic trick, but, um, just, just do me a favor though. Go to smallsoftware.com slash B2W and, and watch, uh, D Sparks's, uh, demonstration of this. It's a beautiful Vimeo video. That's actually pretty funny. So, um, uh, our thanks to smile and to, uh, Gene Gray McDonald for supporting five by five and back to work. You know, I got another one. I got, um, uh, S S D I when I type that, sorry, I don't argue on the internet. <laughs> Do you send? Are you typing that a lot? <laughs> yeah. Is that and, something you type a lot? Uh, twice a week. Huh. Yeah. Here's me. Here's you. Here's me. Sorry. I don't argue on the internet. Um, I don't, oh, you know, I got that great one with the I think you're thinking of one. Did I ever show you that one? That's a good one. So anyway, enough about that. So we've covered beef. What time is it? I can't tell. We, uh, what, how, long, uh, how long are we in now? Oh, we're in. Okay. Let me mention one more thing. Um, and then we, uh, we can, uh, you know, not go too, too long. Right. I think the meat stuff was helpful, Dan. You know who I apologize to for that? No one. You know how much I apologize? Not at all. There's a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation about meat, and I want to correct that. A lot of men have an idea in their head that's really screwed up. They spend, they spend all their time, you know, looking at, those, looking at those magazines with meat, and they don't understand what it's really like to really, really be around real meat. What about the meat's needs? I was talking to somebody at uh, MailChimp, an employee there, who's... I should have asked him if I can mention him by name because he's a really cool guy and he's actually, I found out he's pseudo-famous. He, he wrote one of those Zellman books. Um, had a really good conversation with this guy and he's crazy smart. Um, but we were talking about, um, in his case specifically, how, how you gather a large amount of information. Um, I should just say this. He's a guy who does user experience stuff and he wanted to take a large amount of uh, feedback. Like there's a lot of feedback inside of MailChimp about how to improve the product. It's, it's encouraged. And he's like, that's all like really, actually really good notes. I don't want to miss any of those. Now, a lot of those are in electronic format. Uh, you get a lot of great input from people on the site suggesting things. And you even get people like when they quit the service and tell you why, like that's all really good to know. But that's real chicken and waffles kind of stuff. It's all over the place. How do you collect it all? Long story short, we were just talking about strategies for doing that because, you know, he, he wants to um, hear what everybody has to say. But I, I had a kind of unconventional response to him 
that made me think about a bigger issue, which I will call working backwards. May, may I introduce the idea of working backwards? Yeah. How does that work? Well, this is one of the things that sounds really obvious, but um, you could take this from a GTD standpoint. Getting things done, by the way, is a copyright of David Code 2001. You can uh, take it from GTD. Uh, you could take it from, uh, certainly from project management. There's all kinds of ways. Uh, you could say, for example, as, uh, as uh, Stephen Covey says, mm, begin with the end in mind. Um, when I was a project manager, I got really into this idea of starting with, if we have a launch date, and you never want to start with a launch date, but let's say for the sake of argument that your stupid.com has forced you to have a launch date, and you can work backwards in some ways to figure out like what can be done. Uh, or more importantly, you figure out, the, by working backwards, you can figure out the dependencies that get you to even where to start. So on the one, do you, do you follow me? So if, if you know, for example, that you're going to have a party next week and you've already sent out the invitations well it's probably too late to do a lot of stuff but you can work backwards from that to figure out everything that you need to do roughly in order and it's i find working backwards to be a great way of figuring out dependencies and unintentionally learning a lot about stuff that i haven't thought about yet there's like a um so i should get back to what he said so 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 talking to this fella at mailchimp just to close that part of the thread um you know, what I, I ended up saying to him, well, you know, what do you actually do once you're done with all that information? What do you do? He's like, well, I, you know, we'll make plans about how to, you know, handle any kind of redesigns or iterations on the design we have. And I was like, no, no, but like, like what do you actually do? And he's like, oh, well, I go in and I do a bug or like file, you know, go into their little system and I assign it to people. And I was like, okay. And so to be able to go into the system and fill that in, what do you have to do? He's like, well, I'd have to like have my notes together. And, and, I, and you keep working backwards from that. Keep working backwards. Keep working backwards. And, 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 and what, we, what I finally said to him at the end was, well, it sounds to me like, like could you have, like, could you introduce like 100 changes this month to the website? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, let's say arbitrarily you've got 5,000 pieces of information out there. I, I'm embellishing and, and changing this a little bit and redacting a little bit, but you get the idea. I do. It, He's, he's, his problem, this guy's crazy smart. He gave me a copy of his book. It's really good. Um, but but his, his, the way he posed the problem to begin with is a completely sane way to think about this problem. It's something we all struggle with. What do we do with all this stuff, right? Um, you, you, let's say you've done your ubiquitous capture. You've got all this stuff. You've, got, like, you've kept all your receipts. Whatever it is you're thinking about, you've got all your ideas in your dream journal or whatever. And you're thinking about how to put that into action. Well, what if you work backwards from that? What if you started with the desirable outcome and reverse engineered it? cleric. And so you start out and say, well, in his case, well, I want to have a certain number of these. So I said, well, you know, w- would it be sane to say like, okay, well, what if I had five of those? Is five of those in a month doable? And that's like a more doable thing. Well, do you really need 5,000 pieces of information to implement five changes? You know, and, and, and oddly enough, what it made me think of is something I think uh, Jacob Nielsen said a long time ago. Uh, it might have been him, but somebody was talking about doing user testing and how for an iteration of a, of a design change, you can get a lot of information out of five, testing on five people. Do you remember reading that back in the day? Oh, yeah. The, the, it was like five is all you actually need. There are people who are saying, for, oh, you need for 20. Iteration, yeah, for an iteration. Yeah. 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 But the, 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 I don't know if this is true or not, but it resonates with me and resonates with the point I want to make, which is that like, if, you, uh, if you have a design that you're you know, user testing, you could show it to 5,000 people and that'd be great. Like if you're at Google and could do A-B testing with 100,000 people, that's great. But... Um, the notion there was that if you show it to five people, you may find like more than 80% of the stuff that's wrong with it very quickly. Okay, then what do you do? You do another iteration and test it on five people. And that you can get a lot done more quickly. Because if you go to committee with six weeks of you know, testing, you may not actually discover that much, much more 
with that giant data set. In the case of this gentleman, uh, or a lot of us, like if you wrangled all of that information that you've got, well, first of all, you'd spend so much time wrangling information. And like, well, well, what is it you're actually trying to produce? Or what is it you're capable of producing? Like, do I need to, col- to collect all of the information for everything I could write in order to write one thing? Or do I want to start with what it is I'd really like to write? Right? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. If I, if I start with something like, well, I'm putting together the next, finally, putting together the next MailChimp newsletter, well, I don't need everything I could do. I could start with something as simple as one idea for an article. What I really want to do is produce one newsletter. And I got to tell you, buddy, each of these five issues I've done, I throw out like half, not throw out, but I, I leave out like half of what I've got. I do way more work than I need to do on top of the work that I didn't actually need to do. And it would be way easier for me to say, okay, I want this next one to be about inspiration. Well, do I really need to read everything I've ever written about inspiration or everything that's ever inspired me? Well, no, I need to get started by grabbing my favorite thing I've written about inspiration, maybe grab the first thing um, that I think of as having been inspiring and start working on that. Now, a funny thing happens when you start doing this backward thinking. You do start realizing you may not need as much, what do they say in Agile? You ain't going to need it. You, you may start reading how, how much stuff, you may start realizing that you don't need as much upfront preparation as you thought. You may realize you need a much different kind of upfront preparation than you thought. And, and, and as importantly, you may realize that there were dependencies in there that changed both the end product and the upfront design in a way that you would never have thought of if you just sat there going, where should I start? Now, I'm curious. Does, uh, the question I have for you, first yeah. of all, do you have any remarks on that? That's, that's kind of a good idea, huh? It's a very good idea. Do you want to do this? Especially when you're a young programmer, I'm guessing you must run into this a lot. I think it's very normal. I mean, it's that's, normal. Isn't, that, isn't that like the first example is like, I've got to go learn everything about this or I have to go do these paper prototypes or I don't know, I don't want to criticize anybody's system, but couldn't you potentially go to committee forever and still not be sure what you're making? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose you could. Well, tell me about it. Isn't that kind of a, I don't want to say a rookie mistake, but isn't that something when you're, when you're a younger programmer, you might do? If I think, begin- yeah, I think that the, the developers, especially when they're young, they're a little bit nervous to take too much responsibility for something and they almost want that committee to kind of give them the permission to do whatever they've done. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. If so you're, they if keep you're not going back. If you're not confident in what you're doing. But how can you be if you're just starting out? Absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you. If, and it's just like cooking the steak. Yeah. Where you have your to ruin some steaks. Well, or your inclination there is to think that poking at it is going to help. But, you know, it's funny. It's funny. That's, that's, this is going to sound so stupid because that's everything I say is stupid. But, like, if, well, what if you're having a dinner party? And uh, Cooking is you, not so much science, I think, as it is art, despite what Alton Brown would tell you. I think there's a lot of feel, gut feel, that goes into cooking. Well, I don't think there's that many things that are either art or science. I mean, if, you, if you're, if you're uh, going to be a painter, you're going to have to learn about gesso and you're ha- going to have to learn about mixing paints. You're going to have to learn about all kinds of things. You're going to have to learn about physics. You're going to have to learn about how long it takes something to dry. You're going to have to learn about how different this color will look in different lighting. I'm pulling all this out of my butt. But I mean, it used to be back in the day, you actually made your own paints. You went out and like found cyan out in the jungle and, and beat it into a pulp to make your own paint. <laughs> Amish still do that, you know. I do. Yeah, they're not allowed to make magenta. It's blood, considered blood paint. Blood paint. You know, magenta is considered a conceit of the English. You can look that up. Um, but no, I, I think very few things are either art or science. I mean, even science is not pure science. In science, I mean, how do you come up with a hypothesis? I mean, there must be some part of you 
you know what? I don't want to get into this. But but um, but think about the cooking part. Like, let's say you know what time you're going. This is actually not a bad. This is not a bad analogy at all. If you know you're going to have ten people over for dinner, um, you know, and and you know. You're going to have to, if you decide you want rib roast, well, you got to think about well, how many people are going to be there, how many people are likely to show up, and you have, so you start working backwards. You, to think about like how long to cook it so it's ready at the right time, you don't want it. Like, I believe me, I've had rib roasts that come out really late because I hadn't planned right. Or what if it comes out too early? Do you want to have to reheat it? Well, if you're a real ninja, it would be great if as they were walking in the door, you were bringing it out and had this great presentation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, there, actually, there's a funny site. I don't know if the site's still up. There used to be a pretty cool site called Cooking for Engineers. And uh, can you check that out? We look for that. Yeah, tell and me the, the title of that. Cooking for engineers. Cooking for engineers. And I forget the name of this kind of diagram, but it. I guess. I Venn. guess it's, a, it's pronounced Venn. Venn, a Jeff Veen diagram. A Jeff. A Jeff it's a lot, a lot taller than it is wide. Oh, and it's so talented. It makes me angry. Cooking for but, geeks. Cooking for geeks. There's one. It might real be real science. But, but see the diagram? You start out with a diagram and the parts have subparts. It's basically like an outline. It's like a, you know, a tree or a fishbone or whatever kind of outline. And you see how, yes, it's going to take two hours and 16 minutes to cook this. But then you see how each of the sections breaks down and each direction turns into like a bullet point. Well, that's kind of how it works. Like if you know it takes a certain amount of time to set up, you follow where I'm going with this. There's a reason so. every cookbook has a number in there about like how long it takes to cook and how much work it is, how much preparation right? But I'm just saying, if you work backwards from that, you can figure a lot of things out. If you, you might realize when you, you know, if you sit there and go, well, I want to make a rib roast. Well, if you realize you're only having two people over for dinner, that might actually not be what you want to cook, right? Uh, maybe Vienna sausages is not going to be satisfying for, for 60 people, whatever, whatever it is. But if you, I guess I, I think there's a benefit to working from both directions. But when you start with that end, going straight to the getting things done stuff, you force yourself to think about a project. And what and again, to beat this to death, a project is something with more than one action step that results in some kind of a positive income outcome that, that you can envision. Right? So, so you could say something like post show notes for Back to Work 76, which is a very, very modest project. But I, I've done that enough that I now know the order that has to go in. Um, if I, 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 I can't write the tweet describing what the episode is once it's out until we've recorded the episode. Right. You know what I mean? I know I've already put in who the sponsors are in the show notes. I can do that because I know who they're going to be. Um, in between, there's going to be things like we'll have to mop up with a few of these show notes to put in. But there's a certain order that stuff goes in. And once you know it well, you know it becomes easier to work backwards. I just think you can get so hung up on that front end that you, 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 um, you, if you haven't really thought about how the thing ends and what the steps are to get there, then you can blow a lot of cycles on the front end. You end up procrastinating. You end up spending way too much time on stuff you didn't need to spend time on. And worst of all, you may realize that there's a dependency in there that had never occurred to you. For example, if you want to have uh, this rib roast for 10 people or whatever, well, (laughs) let's say you wanted to serve Chick-fil-A for dinner and then it never occurred to you that it was Sunday. Like if you hadn't worked backwards from that, because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. They are closed on Sundays. I searched the entire Atlanta airport. Well, my entire terminal, I couldn't find a Chick-fil-A. Killed me. Um, I'm not putting this well. Um, a, a good project manager learns to start with that end. Why? Well, first of all, if you're going to do a project charter, if you're going to try and get a budget, you always have to explain to somebody what it is that you're making. As I said before, I think any good project or any project you want to actually complete needs an owner, a budget, and a deadline. 
And optionally, it needs to be something useful. And if you have those things, you can start kind of reverse engineering it, right? Think about putting on a book. You have to do figure this out backwards. Like before it gets into somebody's hand at the airport, it has to be shipped to the airport. Before it gets shipped to the airport, it has to be put in boxes. Before it gets put in boxes, it has to be printed. This sounds so stupid and so infantile. But next time you're hung up on a project, try doing it backwards. And try thinking about, have you... Have you clearly articulated what the final product is? Is that reasonable? And then make yourself go backwards through that. And some of those steps will become clearer and clearer to you. And the further back you go, if you keep discovering there's not dependencies that are hanging you up, you may finish that first stage a lot faster. And if you realize, for example, that you really can't afford to add 100 uh, new features this month, well, how about this? How about you go, in, in the case of this guy, whose name is Aaron, he's really cool. You go, and what if Aaron went... Aaron also has many multiple letters in his name. It was very confusing. <laughs> well, let's say Aaron goes in and does does uh, and he drops a Nielsen. Let's say he goes in and just grabs a big handful of whatever is on top on his desk, right? And I, I erroneously, uh, he was kind enough to correct me lightly on this, but it reminded me a little bit of card sorting, which is a, a you know what I mean, a user testing thing you used to do where you yeah. show, show people how would you organize these things. But like for example, I love index cards partly because it is so easy and agile to organize things. So I might grab a big pile of ideas if I were him and take the first one and go, hmm, uh, wish button were bigger on this page. Okay, I'll put that here. Another one says, uh, I wish the monkey was animated. Oh, that's interesting. That goes over here. Another one, um, I think the button should be further to the left. Hmm. What if that should be in a new pile or if that should be in that first pile? I'm just saying, if you do 10 or 20 of those, not 5,000, if you do 10 or 20 of those, I'll just bet you there's a pretty good chance that you'll find at least a few that are very roughly the same thing. The people are requesting roughly the same feature. I'm just saying. Now, now how, would you, how would you verify that? Well, go grab a few cards from further down in the stack. Go look at some emails from people who, who uh, there's very few people who have discontinued the service. You follow where I'm going with this. Do some sampling. You know, stick your little pipette in the ground in a few different places and see what comes out. And, and you may be able to see that, oh my gosh, it's really clear, Pareto principle style, that there's a couple features that are so heavily requested, they would be not super hard to implement. And now you know the next part of your phase, uh, next phase of your project, which is saying, okay, well, if there is this thing that a lot of people want, then let me work backwards from making that. Is there any reason we're not already doing that? And so on and so forth. So it, it is in some ways, I'm suggesting something that's very um, tactical in the sense that working backwards forces you through your dependencies, forces you through thinking about an outcome. Um, uh, it can be strategic and tactical. It's strategic because you've got to make sure it's going to be a good thing, but it's tactical because you make sure that you're spending your time on the right stuff. Like rib roast. <laughs> that was pretty good, huh? That was really good. Was, did, were you reading that? Hmm? Yeah, no. Hang on a second. No, I was not reading that. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> that you should mention that, Dan. Uh, header three. Um... <laughs> No. You got no. any thoughts on this? Oh, you haven't talked much. People like it when you talk. No, I think, I think today I talked enough. You were eating a lot of the time. No, I wasn't. Okay. Hmm. So, so, so your, your lady brought you a steak? Mm, not today. Unfortunately, no steak today. No steak today. What'd you have today? Did you get a wiener? I uh, had some hot dogs. Hmm. Good stuff. I had, I, had a, I had a big playful on nitrates earlier. Nice. Nitrites or nitrates? A little both. It's the Caribdis of uh, death meat. Gosh. And uh, I can tell you about something I like. I would like to hear about you know, this I love, thing. I got to tell you, buddy. Ah, I heard about this thing called Squarespace. Mm-hmm. I love the Squarespace. And I, uh, I, I spend so gosh darn much time on the Squarespace. I, um, <clears throat> I think... Um, it's your portal to the world. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is my portal to the world. And uh, I was talking to little Ryan about this and, and ways to help explain to people what makes Squarespace so great. And I, I'm really coming down to this idea that we, we probably need to show people with stuff like screencasts. But um, one of the things that's really magical, so Squarespace, as you probably know by now, is a service for hosting uh, your blog, uh, a journal, a um, portfolio. Um, they don't say this, but I say this. You could use it for a pretty cool internet site. There's lots of stuff you can do with it. I think the magical thing about Squarespace and the reason that it's worth you going and signing up and, and taking a swing at this is the magic of just being able to drag stuff around on a page. I find that, I find that so intuitive to use and it actually becomes really fun to build your site and really fun to build your page because at every step of the way, um, you have the opportunity to take the stuff that you have thought through and just see it kind of appear before your eyes. You know? Um, Again, this is a little bit difficult to explain, but if you think about any website you go to, like I'm, I'm right now, I'm redoing MerlinMan.com for reasons I'll talk about soon. Um, well, mostly because it really needs to be updated. But I'm starting out with this kind of mental model of what the site should look like, right? I do a little brainstorming diagram. I realize I want something maintainable. I got all this stuff over here I never do anything with. How, how do I want to redo this? And I think about things like, oh, I got a section called contact. I'll have a section called bio, a section called projects. And and if you think about those sections, you could create a little section in your control panel called projects. And then you just create pages in there. You just drag in little pages. And you go type the stuff in the pages in this, in this really easy to use little dingus. You can upload photos right onto the page. You know, you could, you could sit there and plan the whole thing right in Squarespace. That's not personally not how I roll. Um, but there's something magical about, about hitting a couple of little buttons and then being able to drag stuff and make the page look exactly the way you want. And if it doesn't look the way you want yet, you, you, you click and you change the templates. You can tweak the templates however you want. It's, uh, it's, really, it's really fun to use. I'm always a little bit sus suspicious about things that are fun to use. Because things that are too fun to use can be a real time sink. But, but in this case, I like the way that they bubble, bubble to the top a lot of the features that you're going to want to use all the time. And there's all kinds of little hidden bits in there that you can flip to do some uh, super sexy stuff. You ever gone to developers.squarespace.com? I have. Or code.squarespace.com? Tell them about code.squarespace.com because we haven't mentioned it in a while. If you go to code.squarespace.com, this is basically the Squarespace code library where you can go, if you're familiar with like github's gists it's it's kind of along the same lines where it's like a code snippet library so you can the, the more advanced stuff like the advanced modifications that you can do to your site they're they're here and there is a code library and as you go so so like if you want to i'm just looking at this right now remove the site title link well you can do that and it tells you how to how to put in the extra header code and there's a little css block Boom. And you keep, as you scroll through, oh, here's something intermediate. Hide reader comments dialog. You can do that. Some of them right. are just CSS snippets. Some of them are JavaScript. Some of them are just HTML. But there's a chance that if you're trying to do some of the more advanced customizations on your site, that the answer is probably already here. And there's like, there's like, I don't know how many hundred paid. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of snippets here. There's, there's so many in here. And just something to quickly mention to nerds, um, their code is, is rock solid. I mean, I think without unlocking the magic door to get in, like they, they don't really want you screwing around with the code, but they've done everything they can to, uh, in my parlance, class and ID the crap out of everything. Uh, so there's ways to access pretty much anything inside of a page. And there's a little bit of magic to this. Well, first of all, there's so much you can do with just CSS. Like if you want, if you want the way that your page looks 
to or behaves to be a certain way, you can go to the settings for that area and control almost all of that you would need to do. If it's still not where you want it to be, there's a lot you can do with CSS as far as they'll do absolute positioning stuff, hiding things, all that kind of stuff. That's really great. But here's the really neat thing. And I, I think a lot of people don't know this. Um, if you go to view source for any page, let me get this exactly right. If I go in view source for this, you'll see a little special thing in here, <laughs> which is the current module ID. And in my case, for Roderick on the line, I guess it doesn't matter. This isn't a privacy thing, right? <laughs> Unless you go and restyle my code. 1195055. Well, what does that mean? Well, that, that's, a, that's an ID for that page. So now when you go in, and I'm doing this from memory, Dan. Tell me if I'm wrong. But if I go in and I create a CSS... Um, uh, not an attribute. What do you call it? A CSS declaration? What do you call that? Uh, I, mean, I think they know what you mean. Declaration seems good. Well, if I go in, and I, if memory serves, what, what you Definition? do Definition? You could say, you could say when it has the body ID of 11915055 and this daughter, you can do descendant stuff out of that, whatever you want. The point is, now what you've done, you've made a CSS change that will only show up on that family of pages. You can get extremely specific. Am I making sense? I remember back in the day when Doug Bowman, Doug Bowman was the first person I ever saw do this with stop design. He's the first person I ever saw using ID tags in the body. So that this section of the site would all be green and things like that. I mean, this sounds pretty Jurassic now, but it was mind blowing when he first did this was to use the body ID tag. Yes, I remember seeing, gosh, you could change everything with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. now, most of us out there, we, 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 you'll never need most of these, most of the things that are in here. But if you do want to go and tweak this, you get a lot of power just out of that alone. Now, think about descendant stuff based on that. If you've got an ID, a body ID of this, and then you've got a... God, this is so insane. You can go all... This is so crazy. You know, every little section in the navigation has its own ID. So if you want... If I want just the... This is so insane. If I want, I, I, there's an ID tag for one anchor link in, inside of here. So if I just want to change the way that one, the styling on Roderick on the line episodes permalink, I can go in there and, and <laughs> access navigation bottom module link 11954. Anyway, you go in and do that and I, you're styling exactly this one element on the page. That's how much control you get. We're going on. But yeah, code, is it code.squarespace.com? Yes. Would you be good enough to add that to notes? Sure. And so here's the thing. They have a really good deal going right now. Um, if you go to squarespace.com slash back to work, you can go in and sign up for this uh, Stellar service. It's a truly amazing service. Um, and uh, you get a big discount. If you go in and buy a year at a time, you get 20% off the uh, usual rate. You get two, two years at a time, you get 25% off. If you do anything where you get a year or more, you're going to get a free domain name. Boom. When you sign up... <laughs> 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 you go in and you sign up. And if you want to have uh, stoppokingmymeat.org, you're welcome. <laughs> go is that fast. available? Uh, I got a feeling it's not going to be soon. Who is? Stop poking my meat. Did I say .org? You said .org, yeah. Stop poking my meat. Yeah, I think that's Paul Allen funds that. <laughs> checking the who is. Checking, checking, checking. This domain, uh, domain name is not registered. Have fun with that dented meat. Uh, go get it fast. I'm done. I'm done buying domains until I do the big hover switch. I am not buying any more domains. Um, but you go and do that. Now here's the thing, Dan and I timed this. I put a clock on this. It took me four and a half minutes to go from no website to a new website. And it's really easy to do. So squarespace.com slash back to work. You go and you sign up. And now the thing is, Dan, uh, in order to get the special for the month of seven, you have to enter in a special offer code. Do you remember what that, you know what? It's your show. We're not even gonna make the joke. It's a stupid joke. I've made it twice. It wasn't funny. 
Y-O-U-R-S-H-O-W. Your show. show. It's your show. Leave off the it's because that's confusing. E.B. White said so. Just your show is the offer code and you get an extra 10% on top of all those other percents. I, I had geometry when I was a senior dance, so I'm not even going to get into this. All right. All I know is your health is like an equilateral triangle. <laughs> but you go in and you sign up for this. That's a Donald Duck cartoon I saw. Um, you go in and you get this and uh, you're going to get a great thing with the Squarespace. Go and build your stuff. The, the code stuff is monkey balls. Um, for Roderick on the line, I didn't even know this was possible. Squarespace.com will be the first to tell you it's a place to go in and have a website. It's not a place to go in and have 95 websites. And so I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to go in. So if you go to RoderickOnTheLine.com, it'll resolve to MerleyMan.com slash Roderick. And, and any square, lot, most normal Squarespace users will look at that and go, well, that's kind of odd. How is it that you don't have all the MerlinMan.com navigation at the top of the page? Well, that's because there's a thing where you can go in and change the banner for just that area. And there's a little hacky thing you do to drop in. I think you drop into the header and for the header injection stuff. And I tell it to redirect to just this Roderick on the line area rather than the root of the website. It took like a couple minutes to do. And it doesn't look too bad. And although I think I'm really ready for a redo with this. Okay. CEO of, CEO of Magic. That's a good episode. You should listen to that. Um, did, I, did I cover everything, Dan? That was a long episode. That was a long one, yeah. This is, you know, can I say there's a lot of value in this one? I think there is. Yeah. So uh, go to squarespace.com slash back to work. And our thanks to, uh, to Lil Ryan. Lil Ryan's busy these days. Yeah, he sounds really busy. Want to hear a pro tip? Yeah. Tune in next week. Yeah. So go to squarespace.com slash back to work. And, uh, and uh, we're very grateful to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. What, um, how far are we in actually? You got the real count there? People 80, will never know. 80, well, ex- excluding that drop that the people who are listening to this as a podcast didn't hear. Yeah. Uh, we're 86 minutes in, in, 87, including that. Including that. And you're going to cut that out? But yeah, I'll cut all that out. So it's more like, you know. You know, I feel bad. I feel really, I feel really bad. I don't like ending on a sponsor. That doesn't seem fair to anybody. Then do some funny voices or something. Okay, give me one. What do you want to hear? Porky Pig. Oh, sh- I don't do pantsless animals. Want to button this up? I want to hear some kind of funny voice first. You want to hear all the sounds I can make with my face? Yes. Okay, here's my throat. Let's see. I can do. I can do. I can do. I can do bagpipes. I can do. Uh, let's see what else I can do. I used to. I used to be able to do. This. I can't do that anymore. Um. Oh, I can do. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.